practically created a language. Well, I believe that the actual total number of words in Shakespeare is 36,000. So if you think about it, like 1,700 out of 36,000 words in his entire opus are new. So it's like a, a, a good portion of his language is actually new words. What are is, some of them? Well, it's things as ordinary as like eyeball, farmhouse. You know, he did things like he took foreign words and gave them their English forms, like bandito in Italian becomes bandit. Now, that may not seem very huge, but it's actually a major leap to go from bandito to bandit. Things as simple as gnarled, um, hobnob, gossip. I mean, alligator, um, <laughs> academe, words like zany, kickshaw, um, words, you know, some fancy words like consanguineous. You know, this includes also words like where he took the word assassin and made it assassination. So he's the first usage of assassination. Advertising. I mean, words you would never think of. Like, he invented, he invented the word skim milk. The first usage of skim milk skim is in milk. Shakespeare. I know. And advertising, too. The point you make in your book is that Shakespeare's influence goes far beyond just language. Mm -hmm. You write about Shakespeare's influence on even nature. In the, there's this remarkable thing. You say that um, it's thanks to Shakespeare we have starlings in North America. Yeah, so, well, one of his fans, more specifically, a man named Eugene Shifflin, who uh, was a pharmaceutical manufacturer in the 1890s in New York, his plan was to introduce every bird mentioned in Shakespeare to the New World. And so what he did was, <laughs> and he did a bunch of them, but the only one that stuck was the starlings. He brought them 60 pairs he imported from Europe, and he released them into Central Park. And now there are 200 million in North America. They're incredibly uh, devastating. They, they have a, a fruit costs more because of them. They're a real problem for orchard keepers. They've gone all the way from the Gulf of Mexico to the Arctic Circle. You know, literally this, the prairies of North America would be full of bluebirds if not for a single line in Henry IV Part One, which is the only <laughs> place where starlings are mentioned. Um, so he does have this incredible, you know, these chains of consequence that sort of radiate out of him. That, I mean, not that he could ever have imagined them, but they do sort of radiate out from his work in a totally unique way. Mm. Sometimes in creepy ways. What was the, there's a connection between Abraham Lincoln's assassination and Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those connections that seems impossible and yet is you know, it, he just props up so prominently in the story. You know, John Wilkes Booth, he was an actor, and he was the son of Lucius Brutus Booth, who was the greatest actor of his generation in America. And he was the brother of Edwin Booth, who was the greatest actor of his generation and did the most, you know, the longest running Hamlet on Broadway up to that point and was a truly great actor. What happened was you know, they could make a living performing as the Booth brothers, but they had to take different territories. So Edwin took the Northeast, and John Wilkes took the South, and the other brother took the West. And then because of that Southern affiliation, John Wilkes, you know, became this sort of Southern partisan. And about six months before he shot Lincoln, he started Julius Caesar. When he goes to assassinate Lincoln, it's very much modeled on the assassination of Julius Caesar. First of all, he shoots him in a theater. When he shoots him, he jumps on the stage after shooting him and shouts, Six Semper Tyrannus. He speaks in Latin, just as Julius Caesar at the moment of his death speaks in Latin. He explicitly calls on this version of republicanism that 
is heroically portrayed in the play. And when he's on the run from the feds after shooting Lincoln, he he explicitly in his diaries, he says, you know, I'm being hounded over Hill and Dale for doing what Brutus was honored for. Mm. So he very clearly had Brutus and that play very much in mind. So it sounds like it was really a, a kind of Shakespearean assassination. I mean, I say in the book that it was, in a sense, uh, an assassination written by Shakespeare. I mean, and uh, there's other weird coincidences, too. Like, on the day before he was shot, Lincoln was going up the Potomac in a steamship with Charles Sumner, Senator Charles Sumner, and he was reciting passages from Macbeth as he was going up the river to his death. And Macbeth is the play where the word assassination is first coined. I mean, it's really— This is bizarre. I know. Well, that this is the thing. This is why the book is called How Shakespeare Changed Everything, because he keeps showing up in these incredibly weird ways. Like a deus ex machina. Yeah, he just—I mean, it was just really like, oh, my goodness, there he is again. You know, like a like a sort of zealot figure in history. And, I, I mean, even—the book's been called Bardolatry in several ways, and obviously Shakespeare is a genius, but— I mean, there are a lot of great writers out there. I mean, there's Dante and there's Joyce and there's...